you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from the ChrisVossShow.com. The ChrisVossShow.com. Hey, we're coming here with another great podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks for being here. We have a returning guest today, and he's uh, he's coming here for a second time. We're hoping to have him for his third, fourth, fifth, tenth, all that sort of good stuff. We'll have to give him a robe, I think, after number five, or at least a coffee cup. Anyway, guys, you'll be looking forward to talking to him here in a few minutes. But in the meantime, go to YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, hit the bell notification button. Go to Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Chris Voss, see everything we're reading and reviewing over there. Go to all of our groups on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all those wonderful places you can see us at there. Today, like I mentioned, he's a prolific author, speaker, brilliant mind on the subject of what he talks about. And we'll be uh, discussing his second book. We actually had him on the show for the first book, if you want to go back and see it last year. His new book that's coming out September 14th, 2021, Loving Your Place on the Spectrum, a Neurodiversity Blueprint by Jude Morrow. And uh, Jude is uh, joining us today, but let me give you some rundown on him. He is an autistic, best-selling author, entrepreneur, philanthropist, and keynote speaker from Derry, North Ireland. Jude travels the world to showcase through his talks that autistic children can grow up to live happy and successful lives. His books are published by Beyond Words, publisher of The Secret. Jude is the founder of Neurodiversity Training International, the world's premier autistic-led training and consulting firm to global nonprofits and Fortune 500 companies. Jude is also a two-time TEDx speaker and nurtures parents, teachers, and professionals to develop a kinder mindset towards autistic people, young and old. Welcome to the show, my good friend Jude. How are you? I'm really well, Chris. Thanks so much for having me on, and the introduction was are too kind, are too kind. So thank you for that. Delighted to be back. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. Whenever I had the chance to come back on, obviously I jumped at it. Yeah, awesome. And when we saw the PR thing come across, hey, can we get this guy on your show? I'm like, yeah, you're getting him on our show. All right. We're friends with him. We know him. So welcome to the show. Congratulations on another great book that you put out. And uh, it's going to be exciting. Give us your plugs so people can find you on the interwebs. My plugs, my own uh, personal website is judemorrow.doc. The MTI website, the Neurodiversity Training International website is neurodiversity-training.net. And my new book, Loving Your Place in the Spectrum, I'm immensely proud of it. It's more of a a collaborative effort, and it's available in all major online retailers, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, wherever you get your online books, and so on and so forth. Wherever fine books are sold, as they like to say. So what motivated you want to put out the second book? It's It's actually very interesting, because the first book, whenever it came out, was very successful. It was a very humbling experience. It was crazy. Like, from the last time I was on your show to now has been just a complete whirlwind where I was speaking to groups, going to schools, meeting parents, signing books, and doing a lot of virtual stuff during lockdown. And as I became more at peace with the fact that I'm autistic and became more open about it and more people started to know it about me, I started to meet, mingle and mix with other autistic and neurodivergent people. And it was a very transformative experience for me because I, I, I found my tribe 
so to speak, where the first book was getting my story out there, and then I was uh, the little lost lamb in the wilderness looking for looking for the tribe, and I found it. And I, I found myself getting a lot of questions from people whenever I had done talks and uh, speeches and after-dinner stuff, and I, I decided to collate them into a book, almost to be somewhat of a sequel to the first book, whilst being... Uh, a collection of short stories based upon questions that, that professionals, parents, and even fellow autistic people have. And there's a few amazing contributors in the book as well to amplify the autistic voices as well. So it's uh, like a, a miniature paper platform and its own. There you go. There you go. Give us an arcing overview of the book, what it entails. The book seeks to give the autistic perspective on a lot of things. Like whenever you look through literature, it's the vast majority of global opinion and research, and I use the term research very loosely, whenever it comes to autistic people, is based upon the outsider's view of it. So it's what people on the outside looking in at it think it is. So I thought, how about we get our experiences as a collective of autistic people, what the autistic experiences, even from the most from the most basic of things that people take for granted. Like a couple of the, the topics that are discussed in the book are the likes of employment, because a, a really sad statistic is that only 16%, and this is globally, only 16% of autistic people are in paid employment. And that is a travesty because the vast majority of autistic people are of either average or above average intelligence for the most part and it just seeks to highlight the really challenging kind of plane of trying to get under the workplace because whenever you go for a job and it doesn't matter what job it is that the really what you're doing is you're learning how to pass an interview and learn the buzzwords of a particular interviewer that they like to hear to give you the points to get the job it, it's very hard for us to do those types of things where you have to have almost like a false kind of persona to get through the interview stage and it, it, it's something that's a big big challenge it's it's something that i want to bring awareness of for sure mm -hmm. and even other things where th there's a lot of things that i like to address and there's a lot of like even whenever the first book came out i'd read a lot of things jude morrow who has autism but the vast majority of autistic people prefer that we are autistic people because a lot of people would say that people have autism and and the reason why autistic is preferred because it's a key part of our identity it's who yeah. we are it's how we view the world and my take on it is you wouldn't say a person has autism in the same way you wouldn't say a man with gay or a, a person with trans you wouldn't say that and that that is the gay community gay people and we are autistic people yeah. so it's somewhat similar so it's looking to address all these little things from the autistic side that's one of the things I love about the book is you're helping both sides. So you're helping us understand better that, that aren't autistic. But that teaches me something new. It's like saying, you know, uh, you or I have humanity. And you're like, what? We have, we're human. <laughs> we have human. It, it, we're human. And we, we don't have human, although we have human nature, which is its own problem. But uh, <laughs> that's another joke. <laughs> but uh, I love this uh, because you're helping bridge the communication gap, the understanding gap. And I have to, I, I, Somebody had explained the autistic spectrum to me. And last night in Clubhouse, we had a big discussion about the spectrum. There was a couple of people that didn't understand the spectrum. And we had to explain what that is.
is. Fortunately, we had some other really brilliant people that were in there that, you know, could explain it because people were, oh, I thought this was over here and that was over there. And we're like, no, it's really, uh, it's really quite the spectrum. But understanding these terms, how to address people, how to just communicate with people better and understand each other better is. It is for sure. And uh, I, I, lo- I love that you brought up like the autistic spectrum, because if you really pause and think about it, and I would challenge everybody listening to this to really think about this point is that the vast majority of knowledge about autism, the autistic people, and even the autistic spectrum, is informed strictly by medical research and, and guidelines. It's formed mostly by marketing companies who are selling these interventions. You know, the idea that there's an autism level one, two, three, four, and five, where it's technically a marketing masterstroke, where mm-hmm. the likes of intellectual disabilities which are perfectly fine to have because everybody has strengths, talents, wishes, wants, and feelings. But the fact that intellectual disabilities has been called severe autism is, is slightly misleading because really you can be severely autistic in the same way that one can be severely left-handed. It's just there. It just exists. I just noticed that somebody has said thank you. So mm-hmm. I don't know who it is, but I want to say to them that you're welcome. There you go. <laughs> There you go. I mean, we're all impacted by it. We all have friends that uh, have autism or children that have autism. Uh, I have a lot of friends that have autism. And, you know, I see their, their, I see their conversations on Facebook, how they struggle at work, how they struggle at communication. And many of them, I, I think most of the savants are on the spectrum, aren't they? Anybody who's ever been a savant is usually on the spectrum. And I've seen some people that were on the spectrum that you tell them a city or a zip code and they'll tell you, I, I think what it is, you tell them a city and they'll tell you the zip code. Like, like they have all the zip codes memorized. My friend's uh, young boy, he has a talent where when he wants to focus, he has a hyper focus. I, I don't because, you know, I'm like, oh, what's the latest thing on Instagram notification? He has a hyper focus. And like you say, there are different personality traits that all of us have that we excel at and they can be utilized as a great way to use. We just have to figure a way to tap into those resources and help everybody. Exactly. It's, but, but whenever it comes to autistic people, there's a big injustice that exists in the world. If you're autistic, you're obsessed with something. It's quite it's, it's quite challenging, even for me, whenever the symptoms and in inverted commas are referred to as obsession or interest with menial things. You know, expertise has many different things, many different points to it. But if you're autistic, you're obsessed with something. But if you're not autistic, you're an expert, which mm-hmm. is a bit baffling to me. Uh, I've never, I haven't been able to get my head around that one at all. And it's, it's the fact that the thing is that some of the most gifted and talented people ever to have existed have been autistic, like our team, Einstein, mm-hmm. Mary Curie, recently in the media, Wentworth Miller has recently said it, Elon Musk, Diane Aykroyd, but yet we're the ones with a disorder. It just raises an eyebrow, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. You guys are the smart ones, actually, in the room. Yeah. The, what is that thing about, they always say about how there's stupid people, 50% are the average stupid person. It's a George Conlon bit. And he says, yeah, you have to realize that the, the average person, 50% of them are below average and stupid or something like those. But yeah, I've seen people have, my mom tuned into this a lot as a teacher. She found that there were different people that had 
really good skills at certain things. Sometimes someone's really at mind logic stuff. Sometimes people are really good at hands-on blue collar work. They can take an engine and do stuff with that, that I can't. I'm just, I look at it and my brain goes scrambly. And so everyone has different talents and being able to accept everyone inclusive and understand each other better is so good. I know a lot of my autistic friends, that's usually what they're talking about is the communication you know, trying to communicate in the different styles that we're using. And, and I've been in those situations uh, with everybody where I'm like, sometimes it's with accents where I, I have trouble going, understanding the accent and going, okay, where do I go from here? But that need to want to help each other communicate and lift each other up. The rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah, because everybody communicates differently. Unfortunately, if you're autistic, it just doesn't really seem to be as accepted or respected as anything else as the, the notion out there is because the majority of people have a power. They have a very scary power that they wield at every given opportunity is that they get to decide. So whenever it comes to autistic people, it's one between one and a half and two percent of the global population. So the other 98 percent of people have a really dangerous power and that they get to decide what's disordered in comparison to them. Because even in my TED talk, I talked about my real deep love for English mustard. And I do want to take this opportunity to put out an appeal is that if anybody is in L.A. and happens to be at Philippe's uh, sandwich place to please send me a bottle of their mustard. Thank you very much. Such is my love for spicy mustard. But if people that don't like mustard, uh, are, do they have a disordered palate? Of the they majority? do, actually. They do. That is, I, I have that from the judges. They do. Yes. Oh, people that don't like mustard. My time on the show is over. Goodbye. <laughs> no, I, I'm not even saying that people that don't like mustard. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I they don't like mustard like you or I are we're yep. of the echelon. It's a hating mustard disorder. It's a real thing. Even with my, my, my therapy that I've created, hating mustard, hating mustard disorder therapy, where people get a chocolate treat or mm-hmm. trying to enjoy an activity that they like if they take a spoonful mm-hmm. of English mustard in their food. Like We can laugh about that anecdotally now but for autistic kids in the world that happens because if we like to click our fingers or or toe tap or keep notepads beside them incessantly and everything that there's actually therapies out there that try to dull our sparkle to make us spit in with everybody Mm -hmm. and one thing that i like to do to try and communicate is to try and convey a serious bloody anecdote like we can laugh that the people that don't like mustard have a disordered palate but the thing is that we have a perfectly good communication style, learning method, learning style. But yet, because that's so disordered, apparently we need 30 to 50 hours of therapy a week to try and resolve it, which is sad. Yeah. What's the old saying that uh, the level of what's normal or seen as sane is probably highly insane? There's just so many people who decided that sane, so therefore it is. Have you ever gone to the Mustard Festival in Napa? There's like a, that's a hell of a thing to go to. There's a Mustard Festival? Yeah, dude, there's a mustard festival in a nap every year. You go up there, they have all the mustard. They have, you love mustard? Oh my God, dude. I'm going to write this down. Yeah, you need to leave Ireland. Just move. Just give up. Just don't even pack your house. Just leave. Um, <laughs> don't definitely. There's a mustard festival. Well, there you yeah, go. Yeah, there's a mustard festival. Napa and Napa Valley. Here, let me pull it up. Napa Festival. So I, I was agreeing with you earlier. I guess maybe I miscommunicated, but I was agreeing with you earlier because I love mustard. And if I meet somebody who hates mustard, I look at them harshly, and then I block them on Facebook. Um, yes, and so you should. Yeah. Now let's see. Is it the Festival Napa Valley? Oh, hold on. I, I just typed in Napa Festival. You have to type in mustard. But 
they put on a huge festival there. You go up there. It's the it's this it's the season of the of the mustard proceeds of the Napa Valley Mustard Festival. So it's mustardfestival.com. And you can see images if you're if you, since you're in Ireland, you can use that as your mustard porn. You can see the pictures and stuff, but it's beautiful because the fields are all in bloom and, and stuff. But they throw you go up there and probably everything is mustard. But uh, if you love mustard, that's your you'll find your solace and your place in the world. I'm gonna put it on the list. It's definitely on, on my bucket list now to go to this Napa Valley Mustard Festival. Yeah. It's funny that since I gave my TED talk, I've I've got a lot of mustard related gifts. <laughs> That's funny as that. That's funny as that. But yeah, yeah, I, I judge harshly anybody who doesn't like mustard. I especially if it's like really spicy or it's got the seeds in it and stuff. And people are like, I like the little. There's a place for the cheap mustard, but you've got to get the really good stuff, right? Yeah, you do. You have to get you have to get the proper fiery <clears throat> mustard. It's a, it's it's nice now that we, because we like mustard. See this like mustard bonding that we've just done is that whenever I started speaking to more autistic people, it was like this mustard bonding equivalent. It was like, this is like a snapshot into what having your tribe was like. Uh-huh. And it's nice to have a, a sense of belonging for sure. Uh-huh. And it's one thing that I, I wanted to make very clear in the book is that whenever people are like you, and it's, it can be a lonely experience, the whole being autistic thing, it really can. It can yeah. be a very lonely experience because whenever you grow up feeling inside yourself that you're so completely socially unacceptable, and you have to do what they're doing over there so that you can fit in with them. It's, uh, it, it takes a long time to get over that. And I would only say that I've only properly gotten over that point probably within the last 18 months, probably mm-hmm. whenever I started getting acquainted with more people. So what I wanted to do in this book as well was to even show parents that, yes, we can grow up and be happy and successful and whilst we might like different things like spicy mustard ballet poetry or steam engines or no matter what it may be or sports that we still have preferences and communication styles that that should be respected rather than suppressed at any given opportunity Yeah, it's really important. We need to have everybody in the pool. And of course, us mustard people, we got to stick together against them. Catch up only people. Yeah, people. yeah, they're not right. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Give it, tease us out some other aspects of the book to encourage readers to buy it. It's uh, one thing I really wanted to bring to light is that there's a lot of discussion in there about relationships in general because a couple of contributors, because believe it or not, like autistic people and people listening may have autistic kids. And believe it or not, they will grow up. Biology says that they will grow up. When they reach 18, they will be a grown adult. Some may get married and have kids and so on. And there's uh, there's a couple of chapters in it that deal with uh, relationships because it's, uh, relationships where both people in them are autistic are going to be a little bit rare. And with my wonderful other half, Penny, is not autistic. And there's, uh, there, there's a couple of good tips and pointers in there. Autistic community styles and the, the need for space and to have time for our hobbies and just pretty much like every other human being in the world so it, it deals with a lot of topics and uh, I, I didn't want the book to be just my voice where my opinion where this is just what I'm saying on behalf of the, the entire autistic and neurodivergent community around the world that's why I got more people but what one story particularly I, I, I can't wait for everybody to read is that of, of Adrian Newcastle. And Adrian Newcastle and I, whenever I'd 
brought out the first book, he recorded the audiobook. After recording the audiobook for Why Does Daddy Always Look So Sad, he had a conversation with his lovely wife who thought, wow, the guy in this book sounds an awful lot like you, Adrian, and subsequently went down the diagnosis route and recognised that he was autistic himself. So it was it was a real great, it was like, it was like fate. It was like, it was just meant to happen. Like he was meant to narrate my book and have an answer to why he, he was different as well. It was just a beautiful thing. We've become reasonably close in the last couple of years. We talk very frequently and it was lovely for him to not use his voice, but put pen to paper. But we have, we have other great contributors in there too. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And I love how you bridge the gap between both parties. You make you you make more people feel accepted. I've had times in my life where I've needed a tribe for people who understand me. And usually it's a bunch of madmen in a rubber room for me because that's we've all seen that. But no, I've sometimes I need to try. Like some when my dog passed away, I I never had a dog pass away or anyone around me in 27 years. I really needed a human tribe to come in and help me process the grief and what I was dealing with from a feeling level because I I didn't have any sort of calluses to it and talking about my pain helped other people and brought people in. And suddenly I was using my story to help other people. And this is what's great about what you're doing. You've helped a lot of people that feel marginalized, that feel outside of the, like you say, the broader community. That's probably crazy as, as heck. Cause I'm in it. I know we're nuts, but they feel alienated. They feel marginalized. And, and so you're helping bring their message through. And you're also helping bridge that gap where we can, we can all talk to each other and understand each other more and not see a, a group of people as victims or as a disorder, like you say, where it's, no, these folks actually have really great talents and specificities, and we need to figure out how to incorporate them and make them feel completely welcome in our in everyone's environment. This is all of ours. I will, and and on, on that point, actually, I, I, I wanted to mention for the likes of parents, because when, whenever people would say, and, and this is in general, and, and, and it's, it's quite sad, if someone says, oh, my child's autistic, the, the default reply in the world is, oh, dear, I'm very sorry oh, to wow. hear that. Oh, wow, oh, dear, that's awful. And I, I, I want to change that narrative. I want to change that narrative to one that has more positivity incorporated mm -hmm. within it, where is that approach naive? What? probably shoot me then. The approach is naive, but if it means that uh, some extra kids get to grow up feeling proud and happy and confident in who they are and their abilities, then it's all worthwhile. Definitely. And I, I, I applaud you as being a leader in this and really uh, building a community and sharing it and get everybody involved because it's people are brilliant in every different way. If you've ever seen, if you've seen the stuff I do, I, I think pretty much the internet is a site I'm a complete moron. And But there's a lot of people who are smarter than me and they should be championed and, and they should do stuff. So a part of the book is a guide for living a happy and successful life, autistic life. So this would be a good book to give to an autistic friend or child or something along those lines to help them just regal, regal in their glory and see themselves as a proponent of what they specialize in, what they're really great at, and how to be better. Is that Very a good analogy? It is. It's a perfect analogy because even in, in every social media app or uh, whether it's Instagram or Facebook and, and, and everything else, there's 
there, there's a lot of, of autism themed pity parties, which is quite sad where there's, and parents, and, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of parents that are very well-meaning, that want to do their best and want to learn from autistic people. And I salute, and I'd love to applaud, but I can't because I have to hold my microphone. Because I understand. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of social media sadness going around. If someone has a bad day and everything, sharing it up. Not that I'm against sharing feelings, but you know, the vast majority of the social and cyberspace on the internet is, is taken up by negativity. I, I just want to do my but at least for some people to not resort to the kind of sadness or negative space because mm. if you go to a party, it doesn't matter what, what kind of party it is. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I, I tend to stay longer than I should. <laughs> Maybe other people do the same. So I, it's something that I, I'd like to get rid of because people now, even young parents, where there's a lot of like pictures and videos shared up on, on social media. And again, going back to my previous point, these kids, as biology dictates, will grow up and may discover in years to come. So hello, mom and dad. So I see that in 2021, you put up a lot of pictures of me crying and shopping. <laughs> but it's true. It, yeah. it, is, it, it is true. And, and how embarrassing that would be. Is that I, I don't think people have the, the foresight to realize that whilst it could be reaching out for support for the short term, that it could have effect on the child who then grows up and gets a beard with gray hairs in it. It might cause harm later on down the line. I I thank God my parents can post any of my pictures. I've seen the pictures that they have here. And and I think there's one picture where I'm wearing a the toilet bowl, the potty training thing on my head. Fortunately, it was empty, but uh, yeah, just I shudder sometimes when I see it. Always a bonus. <laughs> a, yeah, that's my mom ever wants to blackmail me. She's got the pictures. The one thing that's uh, great about the book too is it provides a handbook to help autistic individuals navigate major life changes, childhood to college, jobs and relationships, and each chapter identifies common issues faced by autistic people of uh, different age groups and social groups. Talk to us a little bit about that and uh, how that helps people. What I really wanted to cover is I, I wanted to give the autistic perspective because when, whenever I, I don't know if came out is the right term, but, but as autistic, but I'll use it anyway. I started to read other books. So what literature exists out there for autistic people about, for example, going through third level education. So I was getting these books and Again, they weren't written by autistic people. They were written by professionals or very well-meaning parents that can only really define one experience. Now, on my side, I can only define one experience as well, which is my own. But it's one of those things, being autistic, is that no matter how much people try and say, I understand what you're going through, I don't really believe it in the same way that you can't empathize with someone who's blind simply because you can close your eyes. It's that... So I wanted to give the experience from the inside out. And the way I've written it is that I've written it in a way that isn't edited for a majority of like neurotypical audiences where autistic people would be able to read that and think, I can relate to that. I do that. Where there isn't a one-size-fits-all solution whenever it comes to any of life's major issues. But whenever you get advice from someone you can relate to, it makes it all the more powerful. Like In my social work days, I saw everything. I saw everything. You name it. Working with you know the elderly and frail population, you get to see everything. And no intervention or treatment in the world is 
as effective as peer-to-peer support. I think it's the most powerful thing. It's how, for example, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous has really taken off because you get a sponsor, someone who's been on the journey and can guide you through yours. Not that I'm looking to establish like an autistic kind of AA type of thing, but you always get more kind of results and value from listening to someone who can relate to you. And that's exactly what I wanted to write for. I wanted to write for people who would be able to relate to it. And I've been through a lot of things. now. I'm growing old now. I'm 31 next week. I'm, I'm yeah, you're there. really over the hill, man. I'm, I'm getting really over the hill because a point that 31 next week is that the, the life expectancy for autistic people on average is only 36 to 54. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's coming to the stage now as a 31 year old where sadly people like me go. Now, what well, is there a reason behind that? There is. And there, there's a very clear reason. And the fact is, is that we're not really accepted for who we are because wow. what, and, and uh, going, growing up through the mainstream system where being autistic is viewed as a disorder you're constantly having to adapt to a world that's not really made for you and then mm-hmm. when you grow up it leads to anxiety it leads to stress it leads to mm-hmm. high blood pressure strokes more susceptible to substance misuse and worse things wow wow that's unfortunate that needs to change for sure so hopefully your book can take us down that road any anything else we want to touch on about the book and tease out to readers Anything I want to touch on with this book, other than the fact that I'm extremely proud of it, and other other than them pre-ordering, buying it, reading it, enjoying it, leaving reviews everywhere you can, uh, tell other people about it, yeah. get people to read it and enjoy it, because that's what I want with this book. I, I want, I, my goal for this book is to be a text that people can look at to really learn about the autistic experience, because the way it is, and it, 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 there's a call to action in it for autistic people around the world to use their voices as well, because for long enough, we didn't use our voices, and it led to other people using theirs for us on our behalf mm-hmm. to gain a lot of outcomes that we didn't really need or want. Yeah, yeah, this is really important. Share the message, share the love, educate people and everything else, and uh, all the good stuff. Anything more we want to touch on before I go out and uh, give us your... My final plugs, the book is out on the U- in the U.S. on the 14th of September 2021, and in the U.K., Ireland, and Europe, it's the 25th of October. It's available at all online book retailers, so get on, get a look at it, and uh, please stay in touch with me. I love to chat, so I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, as both Jude Morrow and Neurodiversity Training International, and I love to chat a bit too much sometimes, but my door is always open. You and I are two peas of the pod in that sense, where we, we love to talk. Also, check out Jude's uh, first book, Why Does Daddy Always Look So Sad? I thought it was a touching book, a uh, beautiful book. I don't know if a memoir is the right word, but basically a, a thing for your son that you're trying to communicate. I always tell the people the story, and, and it, it's really touching. And most, most I, I don't know if this most is the right word, but uh, a lot of people have autistic kids, and they're not autistic parents, but you have something very opposite, where you're an autistic father, and you love your son, and you're... And, and he's not autistic and you're trying to communicate the two. And there's, there's a beauty there between a father and son that I think that's really unique. 
Yeah, uh, I, I love that because for most literature, it is about parents writing about their autistic kids. And for me, it's I'm an autistic dad to a non-autistic son who I actually had to bribe to so that he wouldn't enter the room in the middle of this interview. It's, it's been great. And he's getting old now. Ethan's eight now. Whenever people ask how Ethan is, because Ethan gets more fan mail than me, he always has. Ethan's a, a media Hollywood sweetheart. It's funny with Ethan because whenever I did live events, is that do you ever see in shows that the the queen has someone in white gloves with her to say to the people who's meeting her, this is the queen? Mm-hmm. Ethan does that for me, and he's eight, where he's like, this is my daddy, this is Jude Morrow, and I'm like, hello, because for me, this is all rehearsed. Like, this interview I've already done four times today. Wow. Whenever I'm, like, in a conference, like a live venue, I'm like, hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can see the comment that's up on the screen, but oh, threw me, it threw me for a second, and then I realized the, the last... That would be my mother. That, that would be your mom. mom. She's left two messages. I'll put the other one up. And uh, at first, I thought, whoa, someone said hello. That doesn't sound like a question. And then uh, this came up, and I was like, did we talk about moms on the show? And then I, <laughs> I it finally came together. Hello. Thanks, Mom. Thanks for joining in and, and commenting, and thanks for sending us your fine son. Thank you so much. Uh, my hero guide, shining light. And we do have another visitor who broke the promise. Ethan, you may show yourself now. I know you're here. You're behind the chair. She's oh, too oh. straight, but he's here. There he is. Hello. This is the guy that couldn't keep to the deal. Oh, he's getting a SAG card now. <laughs> yes, that was good for the live, Ethan. You've done your bit. <laughs> You've done your bit. Give me a minute. I'll be in the sec. All right. That's um, amazing. We just, we just got a whole family reunion here. I feel like I should just keep the show yeah. going. So more My fun, fun without them Yeah, I just uh, this is awesome. So this is great, and it's wonderful. So thank you for coming on the show, Jude. We're good friends. We talk in the back channel, and I've, it's been just an honor to know you for so many years. You've you got a giant heart and a giant brain, uh, and so people like you enlighten me and make me smarter, so I certainly appreciate it. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. And Ethan, please, Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to end up on the CNN camera. where it's the, the camera. That is there Ethan. You go. There he you loves go. Hollywood sweetheart. He's better yeah. than I am. Get him a YouTube channel or Twitch channel there. He oh, no. He's going to take that now. I don't have a YouTube channel. Ah, uh, see. Here we go. That I don't use. <laughs> <laughs> this is live, Ethan. Come on. Yeah, he's Come doing on. good. He's doing fine. So, guys, thank you very much for coming to the show, Jude, and uh, his son and his mum. His mum is to say, check out the book. It's September 14th, wherever fine books are sold. Loving Your Place on the Spectrum, a neurodiversity mm-hmm. blueprint. And uh, order the books up wherever it's sold. Give it away to your friends, neighbors, and relatives. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Bye.